Good morning, church. So this past week, uh, I decided to sit down and watch a film that I haven't seen in probably a decade. And in this film, Bruce Willis plays a guy named Dr. Malcolm Crow. Dr. Malcolm Crow is a child psychologist. And so the, the movie kind of begins with this scene, and then the, the, very, the second scene of the movie is where Dr. Crow is visiting a nine-year-old boy named Cole Sear. When they first see each other, Dr. Crow walks up to talk to Cole, and Cole just runs away because he's afraid of Dr. Crow, and he runs into a church. And so Dr. Crow, being a child psychologist, kind of watches, kind of sees what's going on, observes his behavior. And Cole is in a church building, his old church building with pews, and he's got these little medieval figures. And one of the figures is playing on the backside of a pew, and it's speaking in Latin. This is a nine-year-old boy, so it's strange that this figure is speaking in Latin. So over time, Dr. Crow observes Cole over and over again. He observes him at school and see how Cole just struggles to fit in at school. He observes him at home, and, and for whatever reason, Cole is really uncomfortable at home. And on one visit in particular, Dr. Crow recognizes that Cole has a secret. He knows he has a secret, but Cole will not share this secret with Dr. Crow. So the film goes on. Dr. Crow tries to build some trust in Cole, tries to get Cole to trust him a little bit. At school, one of Cole's classmates calls him a freak. The teacher calls him a freak, and it's, it's a painful scene. It's, it's difficult to watch. But as he's processing this with Dr. Crow, he tells Dr. Crow this. He says, I don't want to be scared anymore. So that trust is building. You see the trust building between these two characters. The next scene, Cole's at a birthday party, and a couple of mean boys lock him in this closet, and he passes out, and they take him to the hospital. And at the hospital, Dr. Crow is sitting there talking to him, and Cole shares his secret. It's a secret that none of us were prepared for, but a secret that came anyway. Cole says, I see dead people, and they don't know that they're dead. Anybody figure out what movie this is? <laughs> it's a classic cultural icon at this point. So I'm going to go ahead and cut to the end of the movie. The movie is called The Sixth Sense. Cut to the end of the movie. Dr. Crow is at home, and he discovers what Cole knew already. Dr. Crow has misinterpreted reality. He believed he was alive, but in actuality, he was dead. I want to invite you to turn your Bibles with me over to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. It's going to be our text for this morning. John chapter 8, we're going to start in verse 39. So Jesus, Jesus is having an argument with some Jewish leaders as he was prone to do. Especially in the Gospel of John, if you see Jesus, he's often arguing with somebody. People don't understand, he's setting them straight. And so we're going to pick up the action in verse 39. They answered Jesus, Abraham is our father. 
Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing what Abraham did. This is not what Abraham did. You are indeed doing what your father does. And they said to him, we are not illegitimate children. We have one father, God himself. Just as Dr. Crow had misinterpreted reality, so too have these Jewish people. A little bit earlier, we had the kids up here singing Father Abraham, and just, just like we claim Abraham is our father, these Jewish men, these Jewish leaders had done the same. They said, Abraham is our father. And Jesus says, no, he's not. And then they up the ante and they say, but God is our father. And Jesus says, no, he's not. Jesus says, not so fast. There is no way God is your father. You are misinterpreting reality. So I was talking to Lindsay this week, uh, and she shared a story with me that I'd never heard before, which after 11 years of marriage is a pretty big accomplishment, right? Like at some point you kind of run out of those stories, but this was one I hadn't heard before. Really enjoyed it. So Lindsay was on a basketball trip, which she was in high school, was on a trip to go play basketball somewhere. And in the small town where she lived, the coach would bring his or, his or her children on the trip. And so the kid was on the bus, a three-year-old little girl was on the bus. And one of the players on the bus, as they're driving down the road, decides to steal the three-year-old's nose. All right, so you just got your nose and then throws the nose out the window of the bus, right? So throws the nose out the window, and the kid just throws this epic fit. Like, is inconsolable. You cannot stop the kid from crying. And so what they have to do is stop the bus, turn around, go back, get out of the bus, and find the nose, <laughs> I'm going to say something that a certain demographic of our church is going to find offensive, but kids are easy to deceive. <laughs> kids are easily deceived. I remember when I was a child, I would, my dad would always play tricks on me, uh, and he would often pull a quarter from my ear. There's no way a quarter fit in my ear, but I was always convinced that my dad had pulled a quarter out of my ear. Or there, there was this guy at church who would get these, he would have three cups and he would put a ball underneath one of the cups and he would shuffle it around and no matter what cup I guessed, the ball was never there. I was deceived. The ball wasn't under any of them. Had no idea. Kids are easily deceived. And the kids in here are probably saying, no, we're not. Yes, you are. You are. It's... It's fun for us. It's, it's fun to deceive you sometimes. But let me tell you guys a little secret as well. So are the grown-ups in here. We're all easily deceived. I've seen some of your Facebook news feeds, and I've seen my own Facebook news feed. You know, the miracle diet to perfectly, perfectly sculpt your body without exercising. It's not going to work. <laughs> it's, it's not. I know it's a great idea, but so good that it's probably not true. 
There was one I saw this week, and it's floated around a couple different times about how the California Assembly of whatever, uh, the governing assembly, was trying to ban the sale of the Bible. And just a simple search says, no, they're not. If you look at social media, you will see how many adults are deceived. If you look in a mirror, you'll see one more. That's who we are. There are celebrity death hoaxes that go on all the time. There was one going around this past month about how Morgan Freeman was dead. He's not. But people, thousands and thousands of people buy into it. You look at Ponzi schemes. It's deceiving people. You can get rich if you do this thing. You can get rich if you buy into this company. You won't, but we believe it. These are the obvious ways that we are deceived, but there are thousands of others. We have these voices that sometimes tell us, you can handle what you're going through on your own. You don't need people. Being deceived. We have our friends that convince us, oh, what you're going through really isn't that big of a deal. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Don't be deceived. Sometimes we define spiritual things in, in these earthly terms, like God is like this. This is the perfect example of who God is. This is the perfect definition of God. And when anybody argues against us, we say, well, they're clearly wrong, but... We feel like we've got God figured out, so are we. We're all easily deceived. We all can misinterpret reality just like Dr. Crow. We misinterpret reality all the time. Misinterpreting reality was the problem for these Jewish leaders here in John chapter 8. They thought that they had cornered the market on God. They thought that they had God figured out. They had their version of reality with their perspective on God, and then Jesus comes along. And his version of God does not mesh with their version of God, and something has to give. That is, after all, why they want to kill him, as the passage talks about. So here in John chapter 8, verse 42, we continue. Jesus says to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and now I am here. I did not come on my own, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot accept my word. You are from your father, the devil, and you choose to do your father's desires. There is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks according to his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Seems to me like these Jewish leaders were confronted with two primary voices. They had the voice of God, which was being spoken through the mouth of Jesus, and they had the voice of the devil, which was lying to them. And Jesus recognizes that they have chosen which voice they're going to listen to. Church, I think that this is the challenge we all face today. 
There are competing voices for our, just vying for our attention. There's the voice of truth, and there is the voice of lies. There's the voice of Jesus, and there is the voice of the devil. We want to hear the truth, but sometimes the lies are awfully convincing. We want to hear the voice of truth, but how do we distinguish between these two voices? It is my experience that the lies of the devil can sometimes sound eerily similar to the voice of Jesus. Sometimes we have a lot of trouble telling the difference between the voice of the devil and the voice of Jesus. Sometimes what I interpret to be the voice of Jesus turns out to in fact be the words of the devil. So what are we to do? It's not a pretty picture. How do we learn to tell the difference? The solution, at least in my mind, is simple. It's to ground ourselves again and again in the words of Jesus found in Scripture. We need to learn to hear the voice of Jesus, and there's no better way to do that than to listen to his words. So what I want to do with the rest of our time this morning is different than most mornings here. Usually I would just continue speaking until I'm done, but I think it would be more helpful for us if we would listen to the words of Jesus and let them stand for themselves. I want for us to simply hear the words of Jesus this morning. So I've asked five different volunteers to read these passages for us. And I want for the rest of us just to listen. Listen to the words of Jesus. There won't be any commentary There won't be any interpretation, just Jesus. After each verse, we'll have a few seconds of silence to allow our minds to reflect on the words that we hear. After we've heard each of these five passages, I'll pray for us and we'll be dismissed. So I invite you to hear the words of the Lord. Daryl, I'm going to ask you to read your passage first. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not in this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. Eric, you read the next passage. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. 
You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Jerry. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I do not accept glory from human beings, but I know you. I know that you do and do not have the love of God in your hearts. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not accept me. But if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe since you, you're, you accept glory from one another but do not seek that glory that comes from the only God? But do not think I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom you, your hopes are set. If you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? Butch. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son does also. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, 
but has crossed over from death to life. Harrison. Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever believes stands, whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who um, does evil hates the light, and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. want to be a people who hear Jesus above the voices that are vying for our attention, we need to ground ourselves again in the words of Jesus. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Father God, we are so grateful for Jesus. God, apart from Jesus, we have no hope. Apart from Jesus, we have no, no reason to trust you, God. We, we would be lost. But, but God, through Jesus, you have proven your faithfulness to us. You've shown us how far you're willing to go to rescue and save and love and create relationships with us, God. God, through Jesus, we see you. So God, we pray that we may be disciples of Jesus, that we will learn to follow his voice and his guidance and his will in all our days and in all our ways. God, whatever we're doing, help us to seek the voice of Jesus. Help us to be in tune with your will, with your desires, and with your love. God, we pray this in his holy name. Amen.